Welcome to The Five Things, This Week in Social. Each week, we bring you the latest stories from the social platforms you'll be on between turkey prep, football games, dessert, and leftovers. Our Friendsgiving starts with Kane Fair being here and Gray's Group Director of Social and Connections, Chelsea Sugai. Hello, Kane. Hey, Joey. Kane, what is the best Thanksgiving side? Mashed potatoes. Easy. Like, no questions asked. Gravy, pile it on there, right next to everything, mix it all up, eat it as one giant meal. No questions asked. I love it. It's the bonding agent of the Thanksgiving plate. It is. The glue of Thanksgiving. That's right. And Chelsea is here. Hello, Chelsea. How are you? Hi, good morning. What is your favorite Thanksgiving side? I mean, Kane stole my answer with mashed potatoes, but I'm going to come in with a sleeper hit. It's not maybe the best side, but I think it's one of the best tastes to have on the plate. And that's cranberry sauce. And I know that's controversial, but I really believe that, you know, when you have a full plate, you've got the mashed potatoes, you've got the turkey gravy on everything. When you have that little bite of cranberry sauce, and I actually prefer it from a can. I want to still see the lines of the can on the cranberry sauce. A little bite of that just really makes it ideal. It's a good palate cleanser. All right. I am Joey Scarillo. And for me, it's all about the sweet potato casserole or the cornbread. Can't decide. All right. Enough about food. Let's get into the five things. First up, Kane catches us up on the latest with Elon and Twitter, pausing the $8 checkmark. Then Chelsea steps into Nike's new Web3 platform, Dot Swoosh. Third, Kane taps on TikTok, launching in-app shopping. Then Chelsea tells us about TikToks getting nominated for a Grammy. And finally, Kane breaks down YouTube, who is adding product tagging and expanded music options. All right, let's dive in. Let's do it all. Kane, what's going on with Elon and Twitter and the $8 checkmark? What's the latest? Oh, gosh, Elon, he's making an impact whether it be for the better or for the worse. So, you know, as all media outlets are talking about, and we've talked about for the past handful of weeks, Elon's plan to sell these blue checkmark verifications has kind of taken its turn for, I'd say, for the worse. So as of now, Twitter has paused this $8 checkmark offering. Amidst this utter chaos and, you know, multiple impersonations of people and corporations, Elon and the team have decided to take pause on this offering. The impersonation actually got so bad and so quick that Twitter has really started to reassess this process. I think one of the best examples that I saw last week was the Eli Lilly tweet that went out about how it was an impersonation of Eli Lilly's Twitter handle with the verified check mark. And it said that they were now providing free insulin to all diabetic individuals, which, you know, some people could laugh at or see the the uh, the impact that it has just from the Twitter platform. But at the same time, what it resulted in, whether it be directly or indirectly, was a huge drop in share price from Eli Lilly. So you'll see these these people coming in and impersonating these brands that, you know, maybe Elon wasn't expecting to be so rapid. And that's made some quite, you know, financial and cultural impacts. So after about a gazillion back and forth announcements last week and even the week prior, Twitter has decided to go ahead and pause this. And it's going to start showing this new gray tick mark that's for the quote official profiles that Twitter thinks need some sort of indicator that they're actually the actual legit profile in the specific entity of a brand or an individual. So after all this chaos and all the mocking and all the platform spiraling and backfiring, they've taken a step back. One of the, the most shocking but funniest things that had happened after all this, which clearly Twitter has gotten some negative feedback over the past couple of weeks, is amidst all of this, Elon comes out 
with a tweet and it says how excited he is to hit an all-time high of activity users during this because people are going in and probably looking at the chaos that's ensuing and he's seeing it as a positive. All is to say this checkmark thing, as we talked about even before this all happened and predicted, it's become a fire drill and there's updates coming up nearly daily. So right now they have paused the $8 checkmark rental fee, if you will. The rental fee. So as you said, we've been seeing real impact with stock prices and things like that. Chelsea, what can real brands do on Twitter to continue to participate? Because we know so many brands love the platform. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding what's going to happen with the platform. And I think what brands want to get away from, it's not knowing what's going to happen, the unknown. And so I think that they don't want to be associated with chaos. They don't want to be associated people impersonating other people or other people impersonating themselves. I think that there's now a lot of trolls and a lot of right-wing hate and a lot of hate speech and a lot of just crazy things that are happening. And I think that's what most brands want to completely get away from. So I think that they have to play it safe at this point, kind of wait and see. I don't think there's going to be any drastic moves. I know a lot of brands have stopped their advertising and they've cut back on their presence on the platform. But I think we're also watching kind of the meltdown of the platform and really this meltdown of a man who who doesn't know what he's doing. And I think that the safe option is the best option at this point for all brands. Just kind of cut back, watch to see what happens. And hopefully someone can step in and help figure this all out. But right now it feels like chaos. It does feel like chaos. And I really hope that, you know, these real world impacts don't progress with all these these fake accounts out there. It's kind of scary, actually. But let's talk about things that could be a little bit more fun. Let's dive into Web3. I've been waiting to talk about this one. I'm very excited for your first thing here. Let's talk about Nike introducing Dot Swoosh. This is kind of a fun one. I don't know about you all, but I have a lot of questions I get asked often about what's happening with Web3. What is Web3? How do I participate? And I think Nike, it's not their first step, but they're taking a big step to really participate in this space. And so what they've done is they've introduced Dot Swoosh, which is their Web3 platform. And just as another part of the larger Nike ecosystem, and it's going to live on swoosh.nike. So what this platform is, it's a place where people can buy, show off, trade virtual products that could potentially turn into physical products later on. But it's a way for them to trade, interact with, purchase for themselves that could unlock access to events, other products. They could potentially co-create products later on as well. And this is just kind of the natural evolution. And I think a really smart step for the brand because I see what the biggest barrier to Web3 is is education and people not understanding how to experience it or participate in it. And so what this does is it lowers the barrier to entry for anyone who is a Nike fan or a Swoosh member to begin with. Last year, Nike acquired the NFT brand Artifact, which also is spelled R-T-F-K-T. It might be confusing, but they acquired that. And that was really how they could first leverage Web3 experience where people could trade and buy NFTs. And they actually think they ended up making like $185 million off these Web3 products. But they have a significant step and a significant presence in this space. But now here is just letting people learn more, get their toes wet in the Web3 experience, collect, co-create these virtual options. And I think it's a really smart move. A lot of brands, it works for Nike because they've got the infrastructure already in place. They have a large user base, a dedicated community. And now this is just opening up this new world to them. And it makes a lot of sense. So I think it's a smart move. And I think a lot of brands should look to Nike and how they've done this. I don't think all brands could be able to do this because obviously they've invested in this infrastructure. But it really, it seems like a smart move. And I think it's a 
exciting to see how more brands can play in this space. So Kane, it's clear that Chelsea is a fan of this. I'm curious what you think. Do you think that this activation will work for a brand like Nike? Yeah. If it's going to work for any brand, it's going to be Nike or something of the like. They've done a great job in the past too. They've done an incredible amount of community building on their own platform, Nike Plus and all those things that they've created. Nike Runners Club that has established themselves across the United States in major cities that are not only just getting people together that are Nike fanatics, but also, you know, pushing product in a way because they create a whole line of of products for these specific communities. And and I think Nike has always been on the cutting edge, whether it be on the campaigns they're creating, the the athletes, you know, what they stand for. And it all comes down to how are they going to tackle this new opportunity and, and make a new example for e-commerce, really, and, and community building across the globe. It will be interesting to see what other brands are able to tap into this. It is one that's a robust experience that not every brand can actually do. But Nike is one that I think is able and capable of doing it and will make a really positive impact in this world because they'll they'll do it right. And I'm excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, I want to I wanna stay on this for just a minute because when we think about Web3, when we think about the future, we tend to think about brands like Roblox and Meta getting into spaces like this. And with a brand like Nike, that's you know a physical brand, they sell shoes, they sell every sporting equipment you could imagine. I'm curious, what other brands do we think are on that level that could get into something like this that maybe you wouldn't expect? Chelsea, what do you think? The first one that comes to mind is Gucci at this point. And I think what could be really interesting for a brand like Gucci, which as a luxury brand, the price point is the barrier to entry for a lot of Gucci's items. And so I, I'd be really interested to see if this could be the space where they could bring in a younger audience where, you know, maybe a young person might not be able to afford a Gucci bag or a t-shirt, but they're able to access the brand in the Web3 world in the gaming platform. And so like their avatar could wear, you know, a Gucci sweater or carry a different bag. And then what could that mean for unlocking like an in real life event? You know, maybe you purchase something on, on the platform and that's now your ticket into an exclusive of experience in real life or a digital experience as well. So I think that that's what's going to be the interesting thing to watch, I think, for all brands is what's the value beyond the digital world? How are they going to bring this value into real life, whether that is the unlocking of experiences or translating it into a physical item? It's going to be a creative play and it's kind of exciting to watch. Yeah, Kane, if you had to look into your crystal ball, is there a brand you'd love to see jump into this space? I don't have a specific brand to answer your question, but it'll be interesting to see if a brand can figure out something like this that that isn't a wearable or isn't clothing. And I can't figure out, I mean, GE, maybe, I don't know. There, it's gotta be a big brand with a big infrastructure um, that still provides experience but isn't a wearable or isn't clothing. So I don't have yep. an uh, answer right now. My head goes to a crazy place and I'm wondering if when you think of these big brands, big, big brands, like I almost wonder if something like a McDonald's would get into a space like this, right? Because they could have the infrastructure and create a whole experience. But we will see. Time will tell. This will definitely be something we will keep an eye on because this is so interesting. All right, let's shift over to TikTok. Kane, tell us about their shopping launch. We talked about TikTok jumping into the, the live space and the shopping experience they were pushing. But TikTok just launched their first in-app shops in the U.S. as part of this e-commerce push that not only TikTok, but you'll see a, a handful of these networks really tapping into. So while it hasn't really been caught on as 
they had hoped just yet. TikTok is really expanding this opportunity for users to purchase in-stream products through their influencers and the videos that they're watching on the platform seamlessly through the platform into the e-commerce sites. So on TikTok, you'll see TikTok shop. What this is showing is a separate tab where users can actually browse products and even make a purchase without leaving the app. So launched early last year in the UK, and I think in the Southeast Asia market, TikTok launched its first shops prototype. And it was this all encompassing commerce solution within the app that just really hadn't hit the US yet. But as we're rolling into the Thanksgiving and holiday season, as I mentioned, a lot of these platforms are looking at ways to capitalize on uh, the e-commerce experience within the app. So TikTok is now expanding this in-app shopping option, which you'll see kind of rolling out through your feed throughout the United States. And it's really just going to make what you're seeing in your TikTok ads or what you're seeing as a brand is highlighting products super easy to click through, allow the brands to have a profile there that you're able to click through and also purchase with just straight through the app rather than having to link out to an external site or an external experience. So I love it. I think it's one of those things that as we talked about, TikTok is one of those areas that people are learning about new products. So why not just have TikTok be the spot that you can actually purchase those products as well. Making it more robust, more simplified, really easier for a user to actually learn about products, but also then purchase it straight through the app. And I think with the success of that, it had last year in the UK and also in Southeast Asia, rolling in the United States specifically right at this time, right before Thanksgiving is one that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, this feels like a really big opportunity. This feels this feels like the right move for TikTok. I'm curious, Chelsea, where do you see this going and how much potential do you think this has? It makes so much sense. I mean, look at the hashtag TikTok made me buy it and how viral that went. I know personally, I spend a lot of time on on TikTok and I've made many purchases because of the app. So having TikTok actually just create a space in the infrastructure for people to just stay on the app instead of opening a new browser, searching for it. It just makes everything so streamlined and easy. I think it's the natural progression and what the app has to do to compete with Instagram and YouTube and Pinterest and all the other platforms. And so I think I just recently saw a stat that the average time spent is like 96 minutes on TikTok. So imagine how much more time is now going to be spent on the app when you don't even have to leave it to get everything you want. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, right? 96 minutes, that is a lot. When you think about that being passive and now shifting into something that is useful and actually can have an objective, it sort of will change the experience. I wonder if it'll change the time, but we we will see. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right, let's stick with TikTok. This one is so cool. TikTok gets nominated for a Grammy. Tell us about it, Chelsea. So really, this is a song that was created on TikTok by the artist named Gail. It was a really fascinating story. So she's an up-and-coming artist, and someone had left a comment on one of her videos asking her, to create a chorus based on the alphabet. And so she created this song, A, B, D, A, B, C, D, E, F, U. Guys, I, I know the alphabet, I promise. And so she created this song and it became a viral hit on TikTok. She then got signed by Atlantic Records. And now the song is nominated for a Grammy. And it's quite the story and the arc for this artist. She was 17 when she created this, just making music on TikTok. And now she's a Grammy nominated artist. And so I think this is significant because I see TikTok as a music platform. This is how songs get big. This is how songs go viral. This is how artists who might not have had a space to come onto the stage. Now they have an audience and they have the ability to get signed by a major label if they've got talent and they've got that je ne sais quoi and really to be able to become a star. And so I think what that says is, I think for everyone, the ability to use sound and to use music on the platform is just so crucial. And I'm really excited to see more artists 
come up through the platform and just get exposed to new talent. And I think that there's a lot of potential for people to also find success from this social social network. And I think people are also foregoing the usual press runs of, you know, going on the morning shows or doing special promotions. They just have to have a really great TikTok presence and they're going to be able to promote themselves and their music. So I'm excited for this new thing that's come out. It's interesting, right? When when you get to the level of the Grammys, it almost makes you wonder if this is TikTok's moment to arrive. Kane, do you think this solidifies their legitimacy and driving culture? I think this is another badge that's alongside the other million badges that have solidified TikTok as a cultural legitimate platform. I mean, the Grammys are as big as, in my opinion, as big as it gets for music. TikTok's video and music platform. This artist has created a sound specifically on this platform and has made it to the top of the stage. So yeah, TikTok has, in my opinion, been legitimized for the past year or so. But this one just is another badge that TikTok can show that the power of the platform is something that's real. And it allows maybe a, an average Joe to become someone bigger than they would have ever been without that platform. Yeah, I think it's that's just an awesome success story. I love that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the story of Fancy Like with Applebee's and using that platform to really grow. All right, let's... Let's dive into YouTube. Let's round out the podcast. Kane, tell us about YouTube adding product tagging and expanding music options. Yes. So YouTube is testing product tagging for shorts. We know they've been pushing their shorts in a handful of months prior. So now they're launching another monetization option for shorts, which is really the idea that creators are able to tag products for purchase within their clips, within their shorts. So as reported, YouTube has really begun this pilot program with selected creators throughout the United States. We'll see product tags displayed within their shorts. And it's piloting this right now, but it's really looking promising. What happens is an individual who's creating this piece of content will be paid for the products they sell alongside the merchant who's actually the one who creates the product. And also YouTube will get a small cut of this sale. So as we talked about just prior with TikTok tapping into e-commerce, the, the amplification of video focus along all these platforms in the past couple of years and really heightened in the past couple of months, we're now seeing this shift from not only just focusing on videos, but now into the e-commerce world. I think no question this happens has impact on the holiday season. And it also, as I always talk about and always, I always preach, I'm all for getting these content creators as much opportunity to create money so that we can have these individuals constantly create the best pieces of content for us on our platform. All is to say, YouTube is now not just a video and content site, it is now a shopping site. So tapping into the, this is going to be a powerful tool. I think it'll actually ramp up a lot of revenue for YouTube that hasn't been seen in the past. And like TikTok, and personally, I see a lot of products for the first time on TikTok. I also see a lot of products for the first time on YouTube. So if I was able to just tap through and buy on that, I think I would very much appreciate the seamlessness from that experience. So Chelsea, you know, we see a lot of these platforms, right? Instagram has Instagram shopping. TikTok now has this product integration. What advantage do you think YouTube has in this space? What makes YouTube different? What makes YouTube special? So I think the search functionality is a big one. YouTube really is a search platform. And not only are young people going on there to watch videos and they're staying there a long time, they're actually going to watch the long form videos, but they're also searching things via YouTube as well. So I think in terms of product integration, the shopping elements, imagine someone wanting to learn about a cleaning product and all of a sudden they're going onto YouTube, they're searching it, they are watching this video, they can easily buy it. It's just making that experience a lot more seamless. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to follow through and kind of round out that 
that user journey and, and flow. Well, that is great. It's great to see that YouTube is is going in this direction. And like, like you said, the search function is unmatched. All right, friends. Well, that does it for us this week. If you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, or just send us a thing you want us to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcast at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank Kane and Chelsea for joining us. Chelsea, come back soon. Let's make it a thing. As always, I want to thank Danielle Hunt, Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. And finally, thank you, listener, truly. We will be back after Thanksgiving. And in the meantime, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt, mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Liz McGovern. Gray, is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.